Well, hello, listener, and welcome to the Rambling Gator Podcast. This is the podcast where I ramble about life lessons learned through my real-life stories. I'm Mike, your host. I'm also known as the Gator, and I thank you for joining me. Since you're up here on this porch, go ahead and pull up a chair and sit a while. I'm getting ready to ramble a little bit, man. Enjoy it. Those of us who have served our country know and understand the value of combat training. But what happens when the battle that you train for is not the battle that you end up in? Therein lies the rub in this episode, and I hope you enjoy it. Well, here I am waiting, reclining on my 60-pound rucksack, also known as a soldier's lazy boy. Like everything else in the Army, the ritual of hurry up and wait has been crafted once again into a fine science. We've hurried up since 4 a.m., and now we're just waiting, loitering on this small drop zone and ad hoc landing strip, smack dab in the middle of a humid, piney-wood version of Dante's Inferno. Been here since before dawn. Now it's mid-morning, and man, I'm hot, sweaty, dust-covered, my behind aches from sitting in the dirt, my Kevlar helmet weighs heavy on my head, so I take it off for a moment. And the sun assaults my noggin instantly. Oh, jeez. I manage. Then pull my canteen from his shadowed hiding place in the small of my back. Unscrew the top and take a long pull of very tepid water. Hey, you youngins be sure to drink plea of agua, comprende? Staff Sergeant Jose Regalado commands in his saucy Mexican tone. He's once again trooping the line, checking on his cadet charges his soon-to-be future officers. It's already getting hotter than a mule's pit out here. I hate for any of you future officers to fall out, you know. You're so close to graduation and all that. Oh, it'd be a shame. Regalado saunters past me with not a drop of sweat on him. That's because up until now, he's been lounging in cooler quarters. Remember, young'uns, if you pee in clear, never fear. If you pee in yellow, you're thirsty, fellow. But man, if you're peeing red. Regalado paused and raised his hands toward the hot sun for dramatic effect. You're dead, hermano, and you can't order my old Mexican ass around if you're six feet under, can you? Yeah, one day you'll be ordering my old Mexican ass around. But not today. For now, I'm telling you what to do. The words slide from Regalado's mouth with the tact of Sergeant Snorkel's bubble comments in old Beetle Bailey cartoons. I smirk at him from the eclipse-worthy shadow he creates as he passes. Regalado, a husky career army man, fills his camouflage uniform more around the middle. He bears his rucksack on his back like a papoose, up high and close on his shoulders. I watch him kicking up the orange clay dust that settles into my eyes and onto my sweat-sopping, camouflage-painted skin. In Regalado's wake trails the tangy fragrance of Tabasco sauce. He says he drinks the stuff in small doses throughout the day, and as he sweats, he oozes the spicy juice, and he keeps the mosquitoes away. Heck, to me and most of the folks that live down here, the best trick for a total mosquito prevention is a good rainstorm. Hey, Burke, Regalado chaws to a lily-white Pennsylvania girl just down the line. She jumps from her heat-induced slumber, sending her Kevlar helmet bowling ball forward in the dust. 
I look at it settled at the old sergeant's feet, and he fixes his gaze upon it, and then on her. You make sure you drink a lot of H2O, Burke, you hear? Regalado then eyes her. I know you folks north of us ain't used to this kind of heat. Regalado then bends at the waist. The papoose shifts on its back, but doesn't break his stance. He retrieves Burke's helmet, gives it a brush, then hands it to her with a wry smile. Here you go, <laughs> ma'am. Man, I am drained. I was part of this mission planning team for our upcoming four-day romp in the woods. And for the past three days, we've planned, wargamed, and rehearsed, preparing for this final exercise. Mock intelligence briefs informed us we were facing a strong enemy force. The battalion commander is counting on my team to capture Objective Matterhorn, an obscure piece of pine wood covered ridgeline located some 20 kilometers from our current position. Time and distance required, we perform an air assault. Basically, we would arrive by helicopter close to our objective, then make the final assault on foot. This would be my first air assault mission and my first flight in a Black Hawk helicopter. Excitement rises through my misery as I envision the trip to come. To take my mind off the heat and humidity, I mentally review my checklist of routes, control points, and primary secondary objectives, hoping time will tick by a bit faster. But man, it doesn't. So I take another swig of lukewarm water, place the canteen back in its cool spot under my rump, lower my Kevlar close to my eyes, and go back to killing time in the hot and humid oven. The sound of rotors beating the air rouses me from a muggy nap. I spot five UH-60 Blackhawk helicopters approaching low over the treetops, silhouetted against a sticky haze. It reminds me of the Huey approach scene in the movie Apocalypse Now, and my mind immediately plays Fly of the Valkyrie. The pilots cycle their machines in unison, raising the helo noses to about 30 degrees before touching down tail-first on the landing zone. The vortex from rotor blades wrangles the orange dirt, sending the gritty clay everywhere. But thankfully, the wait is over. And just like we rehearsed, I rise and signal the rest of my team with a quick wave of my right hand. Once cleared by Regalado, we run to board the third bird. Four guys and I enter on the left side facing the pilot. I'm the last to take the door seat. Five more guys pile on the right side and sit down. The air crewman gives a hand signal. I check that my M16A3 rifle is on safe and pointed to the floor of the helicopter. I then look down the line and give a thumbs up. I receive the same from the team, then relay the signal to the air crewman. These birds have only a lap belt to hold you in the seat, so I give a quick click and tug on the strap as I hear the engines whine to take off pitch. The Blackhawk lurches forward, frees itself from the ground, and gains speed and altitude. Once we clear the tree line, the pilot banks hard left, providing me with an open door, face down view of Mother Earth. My yell of excitement, however, is drowned out completely by the rotor racket. Napa the Earth flying takes great skill and steely nerves. Being a passenger on one of these rides takes equal grit. The guy next to me turns a light green as we race along at treetop level. I pass him an air sick bag, and he quickly fills it. The pilot banks left, 
then right, then hard left again, dipping up and down, weaving through the pine forest at breakneck speed. We skimmed down over a lake so close, I swear I could scoop my hand into it and catch a bass. Our nap of the earth shenanigans are interrupted by an abrupt change in angle, followed by a hasty descent and a thud of a rolling landing. Flying scrub grass and soft white sand and shroud our helicopter. I unstrap my lap belt, throw my ruck out the door, jump out, reach down, grab my ruck with my left hand, brandish my rifle with my right hand, sprint for about 15 meters to clear the rotor blades, throw my ruck down, then fall upon my hasty firing position with the weapon at the ready. The whole process takes about eight seconds. Engine pitch at the Blackhawk rises, signaling its departure, leaving me and my team in a pile of natural talcum powder. Only when I feel the Blackhawk is clear do I rise and look around. The rest of my team is on the ground, all out, all safe. I give this signal to move out, then don my ruck. My compass man signals the azimuth of travel. The point man moves out first. We give him a minute, then start our move. All is quiet, eerily so, except for a distant rumble that sounds like rolling artillery. We move about 150 meters into the pine thicket before Staff Sergeant Regalado comes alongside and keeps pace with me. Even with his girth, he can still stealth around with the best of them. I smell the Tabasco on him, then swat a mosquito. Another rumble rises in the skies. I almost feel the earth tremble beneath me. Young Mac, looks like you got things under control. Regalado chirps to me, then gives a wry smirk. Now it's time to call in the rest of the cavalry. I make a hand signal for us to halt. My radio man then runs to me and passes me the handset. I press the talk button and break squelch. Whiskey 6, Whiskey 6, this is Tango 2-9 or over. I whisper into the microphone of the small, tactical FM radio. Short static fills my earpiece. I wait a moment, then repeat my call. The reply is garbled, chopped out by the rotor wash. Tango 2-9er, this is Victor 6, go. I can just make out the voice of our cadet coming to commander. Regalado shakes his head as the voice crackles on. What's your status, over? I key the mic to provide an update. This is Tango 2-Niner. We are Alpha Charlie. I say again, we are Alpha Charlie. Break. 150 meters west of grid November Charlie. 85660-69114. Moving to Tar Heel. I say again, moving to Tar Heel. Copy that, over. Roger that. Victor 6 replies in an just above audible tone. Continue your move. We're inserting about 10 minutes behind. Victor 6 out. We lie in the bush for another minute watching, waiting, and listening for any movement other than our own. The distant rumbling continues, sending vibrations deep into the Sand Hill country soil. I notice it, but dismiss it. Like my team, I'm too focused on the next steps in the mission plan. Sergeant Regalado, though, is attentive to our safety, and in his Daddy Rabbit fashion, he visits all the cadets in the team and watches them pull their canteens and take a long drink of water. What we first perceived as artillery fire grows closer now, 
accompanied by a vanguard of darkening clouds approaching our position from the south. This time of year, thunderstorms kick up at a moment's notice, bringing heavy rains, wind, thunder, and lightning. Even in tactical training, there is an element of safety that's strictly adhered to. In the real world, we would sit tight where we were and ride out the storm. In this scenario, however, the rule is move quickly to safety. A team member sidles up to the side of me, looking at a canopy, then looking to me. Hey, Mac, I don't like this too much. You think we can keep on going? Yeah, man, let's do this thing, I command. But I then turn to Regalado. Hey, Sergeant, recommend we move as best we can for now to seek cover when needed. Regalado nods, confirming my advice. I guess you have about, oh, an hour before this storm hits? Then it might get damn dicey around here. I looked at the sky. An hour my ass. The wind is rising now, bringing the storm like the Russian hordes, larger and faster than expected. The gray veil in the distance darkens over us now. The crackle of another radio stops our advance. Alpha 66 Actual. Alpha 66 Actual. This is Range Control. Over. When Range Control comes calling, all stop and listen. Sergeant Regalado pauses upon hearing his special call sign. He unseats his papoose, pulls a smaller radio from his ruck, and answers the call. We wait attentively, watching him a few meters away, nodding in response to range control. Regalado then lumbers forward. He gives a hand signal to rally, and soon we surround him underneath the darkened tree canopy. Kids, we've got a problem, said Daddy Regalado. He resonates a little worry in his tone. Range control says birds are grounded as the storm is far worse than expected and entrenched over the airfield. It's a big boomer. Lots of lightning. It's headed our way next. We're going to have to move the low ground right now. Where's the map? The compass man hands Regalado a map and points to our current position. Regalado scans the nearby grid squares, then points to an indiscriminate spot. There. That depression about three clicks north of us. It's the best and closest low ground available. We can make it before the storm hits, barely, but we'll have to leg it hard. We move out in an airborne ruck run through the woodline, headed for our new objective. My ruck bounces on my back, the top rail striking me in the back of my Kevlar, making a clickly clack noise that would alert any enemy soldier for meters around to our presence. The storm moves on us in fluid offense, outflanking us, encircling us at once in its heavenly grasp. First, an initial attack. A barrage of heavy rain hampers our advance, slowing us from a run to a crawl. A follow-on assault, which is heralded by a flash, crackle, and sudden rumble, all at once startle me and stop us dead in our tracks. Ground your weapons! Regalado yells to us through the wind and rain. We immediately stack arms, making a teepee of our rifles, ground our rucksacks in another pile, then move about 50 meters from them. The dark sky illuminates brilliant, charged energy, as if preparing for the final strike. The thunder crackle is deafening. Wind moves the trees sideways with ease. We now find ourselves engulfed in a battle of another kind. We huddle together like the cavalry at Little Bighorn, as wind, rain, lightning, and thunder dance their victory dance over us. 
Within minutes, the onslaught subsides, leaving us in a wet and harried mess. Cool wind filters through the pines now, knocking the temperature down significantly, so much so that I shiver as I retrieve my weapon and ruck. Regalado shakes water out of his patrol cap, then wipes his glasses. How does mosquitoes bite now, Sergeant? I ask. Regalado smirks, then gives a wry laugh as he reaches into his cargo pocket. He retrieves his bottle of Tabasco sauce, passes it to me, and I take a long swig. Back at the barracks, several cadets relate the story of feeling the hair rising on their necks during a battle with the elements. One cadet reported seeing the bolt strike close to the arms cache. For all the battle that raged for nearly 30 minutes, thankfully, no one was injured, or worse. The worst we experienced was temporary deafness from our close encounter with God's guns. From that time forward, the operation was renamed, and forever known, as Lightning Rod. You know, this particular story I wrote back in 2003 or so, and actually I published in uh, the Urban Hiker Magazine, which is a uh, local magazine designed for short story writers. And I wrote it a little bit differently when I did that, and um, actually wrote a little bit more here to expand upon it. It's one of those memories that many of us who served certainly have <laughs> somewhere along the line of standing somewhere in the rain, somewhere hurry up and waiting, uh, and all those things. And and that was certainly one of the more memorable rainstorms for me for a lot of reasons. One, just because of the the exhilaration of uh, flight, as I described in the nap, the earth flight that I had there in the beginning, uh, but also in the terror, really, as being a young kid. And being out in the middle of this thunderstorm and, and things are happening, right? The battle that you train for is not necessarily the battle that you're going to have. Um, and in that case, we were in a battle of the elements, a very profound one. Those of us that have been in and around uh, Fort Bragg, North Carolina, know and understand very well, and not even there, but places in the southeast know that um, thunderstorms come when it's hot and humid, and they pop up in a moment, and uh, they can be pretty severe. And if you're not careful, they can also be pretty deadly. So I'm really thankful that uh, we as young cadets, aspiring officers, certainly didn't lose our wit and certainly didn't lose our lives in the middle of that particular event. One of the things that I took away from that, though, and, and in the character of Sergeant Regalado, he was a true character, a uh, very interesting NCO, a, a non-commissioned officer for those not familiar with what we call that. Non-commissioned officers, in my opinion, in the opinion of many, are the backbone of the military. They're the folks, the men and women who serve uh, and teach and lead in a way that is profound, um, not only for those who they lead, but also for those of us who had the opportunity to lead them and learn from them. And on that particular trip and on that time, that six-week time we had with Sergeant Regalado, I certainly learned a lot about being a daddy rabbit, uh, being a service of those who are in your charge, regardless of where you sit uh, in the leadership chain. It's pretty powerful. Uh, and Jose Regalado was a pretty powerful dude, funny in his own way for sure, uh, but certainly showed me a different side of servant leadership that uh, I still apply to today uh, and a lot of things I get to do. I hope you enjoyed this particular episode um, because it means a lot. This one does amongst the others. For the reasons I've described, but um, for a lot of reasons, I'll probably never even tell anybody. But I'm glad I'm able to share this with you. 
And I'm glad you ever shared this time with me on the porch today. So wherever you are in the world, certainly for those who are in service and those who support those in service, I thank you truly from the bottom of my heart because we still remain uh, a nation that allows folks to raise their right hand and swear an oath to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that we will bear true faith and allegiance to the same. It's a note that we carry with us for the rest of our lives, regardless of when we start, regardless of when we finish, is an oath that I certainly carry until my time here is done. Carry on. Hey, thanks for stopping by and rambling with the old Gator on the Rambling Gator podcast. Please rate, review, and subscribe to or follow the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also send me an email to theramblinggator at gmail.com and follow my deeper dive show discussions at theramblinggator.com. And wherever you're listening to this great big old world, I hope you and yours remain happy and healthy. And please tell your friends to stop on by and pull up a chair. For the Rambling Gator podcast, this is Old Gator saying so long for now.